0: So walking a new normal, I want to give tribute to my friend Dave, and uh, he walked in a consistent new normal and uh, didn't want anything to hinder him and didn't want life to hinder him and didn't want the things of the life and didn't want to grab hold of a circumstance theology or second-hand theology. His desire was to walk with Jesus daily, so uh, this message falls into this space, into this place of what about you and I walking in a new normal? Because there's so many things that are normal in our life which are actually abnormal in the kingdom. And uh, we've entered into the kingdom and there's a new normal for us. There's a new, new dreams, new desires. Uh, the, the apostolic mandate upon our life is to bring where we seated into this earthly reality, and that's to say, Father, I want to bring your will, I want to bring your purpose, I want to bring your nature, I want to bring your character into this now existence, and we can do that because our current position is in heavenly places, and uh, it's a new normal, it's a new way, it's a new culture, it's a new purpose, new dreams, and it comes with His power and His presence, and uh, it comes with the greatest invitation that I believe you and I can choose to walk in. One, there was an invitation to come into the kingdom, to give our lives to the Savior by choosing Him as Lord. But then He consistently says to us, come to me. Come to me. Walk with me. Get closer to me. And I'm going to carry on as I have the last couple of weeks with uh, Matthew 11, verse 28. But uh, in the end of the year it says this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly or humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the message just says it so well. It's, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The the invitation of come to me, get away with me, walk with me, work with me, watch me, and keep company with me. And we understand that that's His purpose for us to come close to Him. When He starts to challenge us, it's for our benefit. It's not to put pain in us. He says, I'm not going to put anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. So when I make suggestions which are actually commands, they are good for us. And that's why he says, come to me, it's the best place to be. But here's the reality, you and I have to posture ourselves by faith and entering into that realm of faith, and often we don't know how to trust. So. A posture of trust. What does it look like for us to enter into this place of a new normal? We, we've been living in a chaos or we are comfortable and familiar with some of the things that we're just surviving in. And, and, but he wants us to thrive and we, we're just surviving. And he's, he's going, I want you to enter in and I want you to enjoy the fullness of what I have for you. Because I don't want to put anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. So when, when I make commands and, I, and I, I make suggestions to those who are walking close to me, it's for your benefit. It's for our benefit. But what does it take to enter into that realm of trust? Because there's some areas of our lives where we're walking close where it's easy to trust Him. And then there's other areas where we're like, Jesus, don't touch that area of my life because... There's pain involved, or there's the pastor is involved, or I- I've got this one covered, Jesus, don't touch this one. Don't touch my finances, because I don't really trust that you're going to do well with me and my finances, so I'll, I'll handle it, thanks, because we're still thinking he's going to put something heavy or ill-fitting on us. There's two postures that we can take every day when it comes to trusting the King, One is humility, and the other is pride, and Peter says this, he says, God gives grace to those who posture themselves in humility, but there's a resistance to those who have pride, and pride is this really, it's me taking my life upon myself, I become self in my righteousness in my attempts to get my desires met. Or my dreams to be fulfilled. Or it's humility, which means this, to agree with God at all cost. But friends, in our charismatic world, how often do we posture ourselves in humility? How often do we posture ourselves on our knees? Because when you find yourself on your knees, it immediately puts you in a place of Dependence. It puts you into the place that, oh, Jesus, meet me, meet my needs, save me, but I don't want to change under your lordship. When you posture yourself on your knees, we posture ourselves under the lordship of a king who's the king of a kingdom which is our new normal. It produces awe in you. When last did you get on your knees? In the last couple of months, I found myself often just positioning myself back on my knees because he's my king who I get to serve. Not only for all my needs to be met, but his desire is when I delight myself in him, my desires get met. So he's a both and, he's fullness But what is the posture of our heart sometimes? Is it entitlement or is it the posture of I need you, Jesus? I posture myself on my knees where there's dependence and there's awe and there's respect and there's honor. Do yourself a favor, friends. It readjusts something in your heart when you posture yourself on your knees before Him because He's your King and He's your Lord. And when He says to you, come to me, Come be with me. Keep company with me. Rich, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do this. Keep company with me because I want to show you something. And while I'm walking with him, he says, hey, Rich, enter in through the narrow gate in Matthew 7, verse 13. He says, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I don't want to be a part of the few. I want to be a part of you and I who are entering into. And you know why it's hard, friends? Because it's unfamiliar. Because we've chosen the wide road, the gate, the world system gives us so many options. So we pick the option of wanting my finances to become right this way. And we lose our integrity. We lose our integrity with our sexuality. We, We lose our integrity with our relationships. Because these are options that are given to us, and because we're living in a generation that's so full of entitlement, we forget that Jesus' way is still the best. So we enter in through this wide gate, and it says it's easy to walk, but there's a, there's a road that leads to destruction. So what happens? The very desires that we have in our heart, we sabotage in our fleshly journey, and we give it over for the sake of of Jesus' is best for our lives. And we think it's Jesus being a killjoy, saying, this narrow road, you see, when you're walking with Him, your options become fewer by choice, not by Him taking things away. It's me, when I'm captured with this journey of walking with Him, I enter into this realm where I'm saying, Jesus, I enter into the kingdom. It becomes very wide when you walk through that gate because he wants to give you life. He wants you to enjoy the abundant life. But it starts with relationship. It's not just an add-on. It's seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, not my own. And all these things will be added. You see, the narrow road is so good for us. Because it's your new normal. And it's a path that we take And we fix our eyes on Him and Him alone. And sometimes we're holding His hand. And sometimes He allows us to walk ahead of Him. But this wide road and the options in front of us, we're losing who we are as sons and daughters of God to the system of the world and its pull. The future is in the hands of the sons and daughters of God. Who have chosen the greatest invitation? Not only to enter into, into heaven one day. Okay, Jesus, I'm getting my ticket to heaven now. Leave me alone to my own devices. He's saying, "No, I want to walk with you. I want you to discover what there is still to be discovered. I want you to labor with what am I am laboring, and it's not heavy. It's a yoke. He puts it on you and I, and he said it's easy and light." The yoke of the world is heavy. It becomes lighter when we partner with him in every single decision. God, I'm working out my own life. I don't know how to do this thing in relationship. So I'm not even gonna come to you because there's train wrecks along my way. He's still saying, Come. It doesn't stop. His invitation doesn't stop, friends. But we don't like this thing of me choosing the responsibility to say yes. Psalm 37 verses 4. Come to me. Because you and I are trying to fulfill the desires in our hearts in two ways. It's either with Him and in harmony with Him because we know that He's got the best for us or it's in our own ways. And we we all do it. Based around pressure and pain and our past, we still got defaults that we run to thinking that it's going to produce a different result, but it still becomes the same destruction. It might just be a longer journey this time. But G- the writer David, he says this, delight yourself in the Lord. He, he, he's given us the invitation for us to respond to delighting in And He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as light and your justice as the new day. That word righteousness there means this. As it should be. You see, when we come to Him, He's going to help us walk righteous or the way it should be for our lives because He knows what's best. When we hit junctures or T-junctions or walls, He's got the journey covered. We just say, come to me. When we hit these areas of our will and our intellect and our ability that ends, He's saying, come to me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Keep company with me. You see, it's the greatest invitation, but it's because of some certain things that have happened in our lives based around people or the enemy or the spiritual realm that's been against you that you and I sometimes believe that might have been God. We choose the wide road and then when it doesn't end up the way we want it to, we blame Him. But it's the greatest invitation But you and I have to get to this place and saying, it's what I know and what I've heard about Him that's keeping me in that place of getting closer, or am I still keeping Him at an arm's length? He's removed every hindrance of you and I entering into the most holy place, friends. He's done it all. There's no sacrifice left for you and I to enter into the greatest place and space You and I are gifts to earth and humanity if we spend our time that is our time to give with Him who is offering us the invitation. And he says he'll verse 7, he says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. See, there's the problem. Everything is so quick, everything is so instantaneous, but you see, he doesn't work in time, so his time could actually be a whole lot quicker than your time. But maybe sometimes it's wait patiently, we think that could be a passive position, but that word wait means to be intertwined, to wrap yourself closely. When we were in the army, we used to set an ambush for the enemy. It's something that is intentional. intentional. In your waiting. So in your waiting, are you taking the word? Are you renewing your mind with it? Are you seeing the promises? Are you seeing Christ for who He really is in the Gospels? Because in that view, you see Him clearly. You see the Father clearly. And He says, do not fret yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil desires. That's the thing. We're seeing other people... Succeed in ways that are not godly and because we don't want to wait, we lose our integrity on the journey. Or your sexuality. Don't give it away on the basis of being or feeling alone. Come to me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch me. Keep company with me. There's two ways that we can discover walking in harmony with Him or walking in harmony with the system of the world. And we get to choose, friends. It's what you've heard about Him, what you know about Him, that you're choosing to align Or to still carry on with what is no longer your normal. There's a concept called secondary gain. And I've worked it through and I've got a couple of secondary gains. What is secondary gain? It's we wanting our freedoms and we wanting the best Jesus outcome for our lives. But I'm staying in my familiar at the same time. Because we become familiar with our familiar, we know how to manage our chaos. We know how to hold on to what is comfortable and we don't want to exchange it for what is beautiful. I found comfort in my excuses and my cycles of pain. and my frustration, or what's familiar in my life. Mark 10, if you can put that up, please. I've been sharing around this scripture with Bartimaeus, and I want to show us what Bartimaeus did and where, he f- where his freedom began. And they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, The son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy. God's willingness, his desire, to treat you better than you deserve. It starts with you and I hearing something. Where's faith? What does the Bible say? Where does faith come from? By hearing and hearing the Word of God. What did He hear that got Him to not shut up? What did He hear about Jesus? Because He was positioned the same place every day, with his cloak on. What did he hear when people walked along the road? Maybe he heard about the man who got healed, the cripple who got healed in the pool of Siloam. Maybe he heard about Jesus on the Sabbath healing the man with a shriveled hand. Maybe he heard about the ten lepers, that all of them got cleansed and Jesus still did it, even though only one came back to say thank you. It's like, who is this Jesus? So he was hearing something different. You see, at Roman times, let me carry on reading, and then I'll tell you more. And Jesus stopped and called him, come to me. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart. And George shared the other week, be of good cheer, be bold, be courageous. Get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, I want to recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. You see, in Roman time at that time, under Roman rule, if you could prove legitimately that you were disabled, they gave you a robe to beg with. It became your legal right. It became your new identity. No one could tell you to not beg because it was given to you legally. There's so many things in our lives, friends, that people have given us illegally that we've made legal in our lives that is now stopping us from walking into the beauty of what God has for us. What have you legitimized that has been illegal over your life? Things have been spoken over you that are illegitimate and you have taken it on as your identity. Why? Because someone different wants to speak a different reality into your life and into your identity. He heard about Jesus. He didn't shut up. He called to the one who was prophesied, the son of David, have mercy on me, and around all the voices. And you've had moments where you've wanted to stand up after a service or in worship. You're going, I no longer want this thing in my life. And then you hear the voices of rebuke who tell you to keep quiet, that you'll never amount to anything more, so just keep quiet. So we give up in that moment. Why do we give up? It's because we haven't seen him clearly. We do not know that he's ultimately going to give us the desire of our heart. So we give up in that moment. Our new normal. I'm shouting, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay, I can't help it. My hands feel all big. and (sighs) Calm down. I caught myself there. I've I've started seeing my own movie. (sighs) Jesus is so passionate about our freedom, friends. So passionate uh, about our freedom. And you see... He had his identity, he had this cloak on. And when Jesus said, come, call him, he didn't go to Jesus with his cloak on. He didn't go and say, Jesus, I want your perfect outcome, but I'm going to keep this identity that's been holding me back for so long. The Bible says he threw it off. He threw it off, he walked to Jesus, and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? He says, I want to recover my Sight, and he says, recover your sight. Your faith has already healed you. Where did the process start, friends? You see, this journey for you and I has to start if we're in this mess and we've got a cloak of shame or condemnation or guilt or fear, no matter what it is. You're hearing Jesus and you're hearing the stories of Jesus. It has to do something in your heart that says, yes, me too. Yes, me too. Because he don't have no favorites. If he's done it for one, he's going to do it for another. Because Jesus, the testimony of who he is, is the spirit of prophecy, and what happened for one can happen for another. It has to. That word has to start to provoke you, and has to change your thought process and your mind, and starts to discover a trust in you. But sometimes we've been living for so long underneath different cloaks and different identities. And it's been so long sometimes, and we think to ourselves, can it ever change? And then it gets to the place where you're going, actually, I'm going to call out his name because I don't know if he's going to come past again. You see, some of us are walking with him. Some of us are sitting on the roadside hoping he's going to come past, but he still calls us both. No matter where you are on the journey, maybe you're walking, or maybe you're on the side of the road, the call's still the same. And the responsibility is still the same of following. He heard him and he heard the, come to me, call me. He threw it off and he went to him. That's where his healing started. You see, sometimes we're looking to Jesus to come in the midst of all our familiars and our identities. And we want healing for one, but we don't want to throw off something on the other side. You see, the best Jesus outcome means that I can throw off everything because he's got an exchange for you. The healing started here, friends, and in the Greek it gives us such a beautiful tense. It says, recover your sight because your faith already healed you. He just had to be like, hey, open your eyes now. You can see here. You see, faith made him see before he saw. That's what faith is, friends. It's the evidence of what we don't see. But we see it. We might not see it, but we see it. We have to rid ourselves of second-hand theology that says this cannot happen until you put a whole bunch of things in process. You have to change the theology of your circumstance that says you deserve to stay with this cloak or this robe. You see, friends, following Him, come to Him. It takes trust that He's going to do good to you, and not put anything ill-fitting or heavy upon you, that's where we can start to turn our heart of affection towards Him, because He wants you to walk with Him. But often, these pause moments, we have to get on our knees, these moments to say, okay, recheck, reboot, I'm here, Jesus. So friends, are you willing to come to Him, throw off your cloak, and follow Him? Are you willing to throw off the cloak of the fear of the future or the fear of disappointment, the fear of failure, the fear it's not going to work out, the fear of trusting, the cloak of being alone, the cloak of being independent, the cloak of being in control or angry or hopeless, or the cloak of being afraid or the cloak of being used, or the cloak I'm never going to be good enough, or the cloak I'm always going to be poor, or the cloak is sicknesses in my family, I have no hope, or the cloak I've... I'll never amount to anything, or the cloak I'm not worthy of love, or the cloak, nothing ever good happens to me. Or maybe it's the cloak, Richard, of pastor, and this is a, as good as it gets. Or maybe it's the cloak of CEO, and that's all I am. People are never gonna get to know me. Or it's teacher, or 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 what is the title, or how do you identify yourself? I'm retired. Is that your cloak? I'm unemployed. What's our cloak? What's our identity? What is our secondary gain? And later, friends, we're going to burn these cloaks. Because if I find it, if I find you taking your cloak off and stuff to get it in your bag, we're going to throw that bag into the bonfire too. Jesus is, outcome for your life is because he knows you he's got the perfect outcome for you but you and I can we risk it can we risk our illegitimate identities for the sake of what he has for us there's no other identity but that of son and daughter there's no other cloak but the cloak of righteousness its reboot, the invitation, there's no greater invitation than that of the King of all kings who's saying to you as an individual, come, come to me, come to me. Hebrews 12, 1, 2, 3, therefore since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and That includes Dave right now. Let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and the author and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And just before I ask the Holy Spirit to come minister to our hearts, there's five or six contributing factors to walking in a new normal. And this you have to discover, but this has contributed to my own new normal, and I don't have it up on the screen. Number one, get your historical facts and evidence clear on who Jesus is get to understand the full implication of the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. Solid foundations, friends. Hebrews 5 from 13 to 6 verses 2. We have to learn about the doctrine of righteousness. Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. Doctrine of baptisms. Laying on of hands. Resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. Those are foundations that keep you walking on the path because the world is going to offer you everything else to meet your needs. Choosing consistently the lordship of Jesus. See, Jesus is Savior. But He invites you as Savior and He starts to give us some milk and healthy things and And then he starts to invite us into Lordship, it starts to put plates of food before us because we become mature and are able to eat solid food. The next thing, friends, no one else can renew your mind but you. I go to war against my mind with no ceasefire plan, because if I don't, my mind can take me on different journeys. Process of renewing your mind of who He is, and what the kingdom is about. And then sixthly, connect with people who are already walking like this. Don't do it alone, friends. Don't do it alone. Do it with people that are walking. Do it with people that you see and that you want to navigate or lean your life towards to help you on this journey of meeting the King. will not you close your eyes for me, please? Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming past. Bartimaeus had an identity that was given to him based around a disability. And he was given a cloak that became his legal right to beg. Holy Spirit, help us, each one of us, identify illegitimate identities that have been given to us by our choice or by others and we've agreed upon that it's not your it's not you it's not yours you didn't give it to us you want us to have the identity as son as daughter you want to give us a royal robe of righteousness that you gave us as a gift. what have you been holding on to in exchange for his best what identity are we settling into what has become familiar are you willing to throw it off to receive your freedom and to follow him Now I want you to see a bonfire. Picture a bonfire in your imagination. You know the Bible says, "Cast down vain imaginations," which means that we can use our imagination. I want you to imagine, see a picture. You see a big picture. See it on the beach. See all of us there standing around. There's this huge bonfire, and together, one by one, together, hand in hand, husband and wife. Maybe your marriage, you've put the cloak on. It's uh, it's never going to get better. This is as good as it gets. That's not your identity for your marriage. Oh, my children aren't going to amount to anything. Those words are not for your children's lives. I've retired. What am I going to do now? I have no value. That's not your identity. Oh, my past is dictating to me. How will I ever walk in freedom? That's not your identity. Guilt is not a robe that you need to wear. Condemnation is not your robe. Freedom of the sons and daughters of God. We're standing. Can you see the fire? Can you smell it? Can you feel the heat? Take that robe off. And you know, friends, some of us have been wearing that robe for so long, it's actually got in, into the pores of our skin. But you see, that's where the Holy Spirit comes and His anointing oil, His massage and it releases that which is fixed to you and He's going to remove it. You're not your past. You are God's future. You're not what you've placed upon yourself and your mindset. He formed and fashioned you. He knows you. He knows your walk. He's got the blueprint. And if you're feeling far away, you're not even on the same map, you can still hear His voice saying, come. He's called you. You can go to Him with your cloak because He'll eventually take it off. But why not take it off now? Take it off. See yourself throwing it in the fire. Seeing it burn. And if it's hard for you, ask the Holy Spirit for grace to release. Throw it. And now you might be feeling naked, nowhere to turn. It's so unfamiliar, this new normal, but Jesus has something for you. Receive the robe that he's giving you right now. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the freedom in this room as your sons and daughters are making decisions in this moment for the sake of freedom even though it might be mixed with trepidation. You're so gracious, and you're so kind, and you're so generous, and you're so patient. Pray your presence to go with us. Do not leave us. It's not a moment. This is a journey as we keep in step with you, Holy Spirit. And I pray and release this over us as a body. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen.